Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin McManus. Good morning. Good to see you. It's good to see you. You are very spicy today. Wouldn't that be the right phrase? I'm feeling good. (laughs) Today's good. I'm good. good. I've been up for hours, and it's a good morning for me, too. It is good. I went to bed early for me, which means before midnight. Yeah, you did. I did. Oh. Yeah. yeah, That's nice. I was watching The Expanse. I, I started watching The Expanse, and oh. then I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it. I'm in season five, so I'm... Oh, no, I'm I like it. it. Just some days, you're just, you know, ready to go to, you know, go to sleep. Okay. Uh, um, woke up early this morning, got going, uh, went and worked out, made a commitment uh, that all of March, I'm going to get healthy. Get so healthy. I'm going to try to do, um, I think, uh, a 30-day juice fast through the month of March. All right, we're doing it together. And I'm um, going to get healthy. I'm going to... Uh, lose weight, put on muscle, Ooh. Uh, burn off ten years of of my uh, age. Get you, back. <laughs> are you are you cutting out a certain beverage that we don't like to discuss? Oh. Diet Coke. You know, you know you know what I hate. It's I real, hate I best. hate when you're when you commit to make your life better and someone else wants to tell you how to do it. It was, you know, it was like, like it was like, a, like if I'm not hiring you to be like my health coach, don't don't talk to me it about is my a part diet of my coach. job description. Health boom, boom. Coach. I don't tell you. He said what not I'm to doing eat, juicing. I was like I'm juicing. I was like oh you're getting rid of diet coke and he's like he's like well I didn't say that. <laughs> well I mean I'm not getting rid of coffee. It's good. Yeah. Coffee's <laughs> out natural. <laughs> Coffee's natural. Yeah. I'll probably stick with healthy. Um, organic liquids. Okay. And so I'm, uh, unless I have extreme migraines because of my addiction to caffeine. You might need to like wean off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to go cold turkey on the Diet Coke because the coffee and caffeine will probably help me. The caffeine will help yeah. you. Yeah. But I tried that once years ago. I stopped cold turkey like and it almost projectile killed me. Projectile vomiting. Just <laughs> <laughs> like a, it was like a, you were having a. I'm not addicted. I was like, you're addicted. <laughs> and, uh, can we, can we, how was your weekend? Was I, it good? I had a great weekend. I did too. And Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about your weekend. I, I didn't do too much, but I just hung out with friends. Just caught up with people. Well, I um, I caught up with friends and made new friends, which is always oh, really fun. Okay. And uh, I, over the weekend, between Thursday night to, you know, um, Saturday night, got to hang out with about five or six different uh, individuals who all came out of nothing to become maybe not billionaires, but um, incredibly like successful financially and starting corporations, uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, oh, my, my heart is bit. beating so loud right now. We're yeah. doing some construction in the main room at, in, at Mosaic in Hollywood, so. <laughs> That's all right. We can keep going, though. We'll keep going. So I, I get to interact with these guys and um, listen to their stories, get some insight into the way they think and and uh, the experience uh, that they've have, uh, they've are you going to name drop, or are you just going to keep? I'm it? I'm not. Okay, right. I'm going to keep it. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're very cool people. You know, because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't really like when people name drop, but I can name drop names that they name dropped. Can <laughs> <laughs> can? How about we get them on the pod at some point? But you're working on a new project. Do we want to talk about that new project, or do we want to hold off until? We got to start talking about it soon. Yeah, I think we should start talking about it. You're going to do your own podcast. Should I announce what my next book's called? No. You sure? No. I think we should. We could, and then we could just bleep it all out. Can you go to Amazon and see if it's already listed on Amazon? 
Because like, yes, uh, it is. It's all trademarked. Have, it's all. We have all the web stuff, right? And the, do we have the socials? Let's see if my publisher has put it on the on Amazon. Take anything. We're checking. I'm checking all of our web stuff. It's there well, as an audio book. Yeah. Just an audio book. That's crazy because I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I can tell you that if you buy the audio book, you're going to get eight hours of silence. <laughs> okay, I, and I do have. Is that good? And I do have the um, the URLs, so we are good. All right, so I'm going to announce it right now. No. I don't have the socials, but I don't think we're going to create its own Instagram. Maybe get maybe get the the. Before it says the last, before the hey name. guys, you are right now watching what happens behind Bleep the me scenes. Out, Brian. This is this is what when you pull the curtain back. This is how we do it. I go with big announcements. Everyone starts crying around trying to do what we should this have done before. This is what we call the truffle shuffle. <laughs> and, and then and then later in a private room, Aaron goes, "Dad, why won't you give us any heads up? Why won't you give us notice? You just." Dump everything on us, go public, and then we have to do all the work. This is how it happens, though. He mentions, like, oh, this next project, I think I'm going to call it this. And there's a group text that goes out, and we just get all the URLs. We start working on all the socials. We start getting all of the things. So I had bought this. I purchased this website six months ago, maybe Mm -hmm. a year ago. Yeah. All the different versions of the website. So make sure we go and do this before this gets launched. Make sure we get the .org, because I didn't get the .org, get the other things. Um, You want to talk about it? So should I announce it? yeah, sure. Uh, but I don't know if you should announce the book or if you should announce the project that's coming before the book. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to begin, um, I guess, a spinoff from Battle Ready, a, a podcast. <laughs> He's leaving me. <laughs> I'm not leaving you. Me, Papa, has grown up. <laughs> He's all grown up. He's leaving me. I'm going to do a series of no, Papa. interviews with uh, people that I've connected to or met around the world. Yes. And it's going to be called The Genius Of. And Wait, pause. Moment of silence. This is where Brian's going to insert like a, a Super Smash Brother, Super Smash, Super Smash Brother Ultra move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since I have no idea what that is. I Some oohs and ahs. And, and so part of the fun of the podcast is yes. going to be a conversation with these uh, world-class uh, entrepreneurs, thinkers, leaders, uh, writers, artists, creatives, and we'll be digging into extracting their personal genius. Yeah. And so each time it's going to be the genius of dot, 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 the genius of Aaron McManus. That's really cool. And hey, I don't know if I can get on that podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be available on, can I... Uh, I don't know. Can we talk about it? We could talk about it. It's going to be available on the new app that we're putting together, that you're putting together, your team. team. Yeah. And it's called Origins. Yes. And so we'll have an Origins app. And on the Origins app, you can actually get the genius of. Yes. And that's going to be really exciting. And can we make sure we have all those things? Because I don't think we have all those things yet. Okay. And so we have a new app coming out called the Origins app, which basically will have, it's going to be really cool. It's going to have a mixture of both like some church stuff, some leadership stuff, some development stuff. This podcast, I think, is probably going to go on the, the Origins app. Yep. We've talked about maybe not doing it on iTunes anymore, Spotify, YouTube, and just taking it on the app. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I, I think is actually going to be really exciting. I do, and, too. And for everyone some people who, are freaking out right now. 
Everyone who's old school, like if you were part of what we were doing 20 years ago, you know Origins was the name of our original conference. The original conference. And so when I started Before Mosaic, there was Mosaic. Uh, yes. There was Origins. Yes. And I started Origins, and when I wrote An Unstoppable Force at the beginning of the book, it actually talks about the origins of all things. And, and so Origins was the initial concept. It would have been as likely that our church's name would have become Origins as it was Mosaic. Should we show the little like... If you're on, watching on YouTube, can we show them the little intro thing? Oh, can we put that? Do you want to drop that? Do you want to? Let's drop oh it. Oh my gosh! Ev- yeah. We're just spoiling everything today. It's gonna be kind of. It'd be kind of cool. This is gonna be the best podcast. I think so. so <laughs> and honestly, it sounds just as cool. So it does. Oh, can you it do sound- the sound? Yeah, well, yeah. We'll play it all. Oh, okay. yeah. Awesome. So if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. You gotta. You're gonna have to go find it on the YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. On the YouTube. On well, the YouTube video. <laughs> now you sound like you're 60. Well, if I was you, it'd be the YouTubes. <laughs> okay. okay. So do we want to cut to it right now and then come back? Yeah. Cut to it right now. Cut to it right now. All right, space, the final frontier. <laughs> so, oh, oh, that's not it. Origins. <laughs> All right, here we go. So well, I'm excited because I'm, uh, I've always been fascinated with the entire arena of genius. Yes. And, uh, and probably from as early age as I can remember, was drawn to studying geniuses and the whole dynamic of what makes a person a genius. And, mm. and then by the time I got to college at, at Chapel Hill, I was um, studying um, a lot of um, dynamics of sociopathic um, personality like disorders and, and, um, and just was really trying to understand the uh, dynamic relationship between a genius and a sociopath or a narcissist or, and because it seemed like there was, there was like this cluster of human characteristics that can go really dark, can go really uh, bright. And uh, and so out of that has led me for probably 30 years to study this arena. So this is not a new place. This is something I've been cultivating, developing most of my adult life. So essentially you're going to bring on geniuses in their own right. Yeah, and also to help every person realize and discover that they, they also have their own personal genius. Mm. And it's really about identifying that and, and building to, your life on it. And yeah. how to unlock that and how to identify it and how to build on it. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about it is that you don't have to be a genius at everything. You don't have to be a genius at what someone else is a genius. You need to find your genius hmm. and, uh, and revel and enjoy that. And, um, and so we'll tell you more as we unwrap everything, when we launch everything in the weeks and months to come. But everything will be fully developed by the fall. Do you know fall. who your first guest will be? I'm not sure who my first guest will be. I know that I'm going to interview probably half a dozen people before we go live. Okay. And then... And will it live on Origins app? It will live on the Origins app. Ooh, exclusive content yeah, yeah. on Origins. And I think some of it is that I feel like the internet is so saturated with endless content. And yeah. it, it's it's hard to filter out between what's, what's valuable, what's what's garbage, what's good, what's bad, what's great. And I just don't want to be in the in the, uh, the deluge of all of that content pouring out there nonstop. I, I would rather create one space where people can go, I know I can go here and get really interesting content. Yeah. And um, 
And so I, I want to have a community that we work for to provide great thinking, great conversations, great content for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, so I'm excited. I think it's going to be really good, something I've been wanting to do all my life. And yeah. um, it's something that I didn't think I wanted to do when I was 30, but it wouldn't have been, uh, I, I think, I wouldn't have been postured well at 30 to do this. But yeah. now that I'm 62, I can, you know, look back on life and go, hey, um, there are a few things that I've been able to watch over six decades yeah. that I think if you can get this at 26, right. it's going to accelerate your life. And that's been a huge thing for me. One of the things I want to do in people's lives is I want to accelerate your success or accelerate your progress or accelerate your development. Like you might get there anyway without me and without anyone, but uh, but, you'll, not, but you'll get there faster yeah. if you let people invest in your life. Right. And, uh, and um, I wish that I'd had that in my 20s. I could have condensed 30 years of growth into three years wow. of, um, of journey. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. It'll be exciting. We got some exciting things happening. We we really, really, really do. And we're about to go away on a trip. We're taking, I think we're taking like quite a bit of people, like a quite a decently big crew to go up. Should we say where we're going? We're gonna go to the desert. We're gonna shoot a bunch of things for a project we're working on as well. And that's gonna be exciting. I'm looking at the like the call times on all the 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 um Production, what is it? We're going up the Joshua Tree, right? The Joshua Tree. And you guys are getting up at three in the morning? Like three, three in the morning, like three days in a row. I don't know. That doesn't really work for me. I don't think that's in my contract. (laughs) No, your day's a little bit later, but you're still waking up like at 5.30. But it's going to be an exciting week. That's what he thinks. I will be in your room. Me and Kevin Pena jumping on your bed. Kevin, your job is to make sure I am not bothered. <laughs> Anyways, so we're getting ready to have like a pretty busy week. We got we're wearing some new stuff that we're gonna release, which is kind of cool too. So much good um, going on. Well, Joshua Tree, we're going up there to create content for for Mosaic for, Mosaic, for Easter, yeah. for Palm Sunday, yeah. for the whole celebration of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and it's gonna be a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. And it's gonna be and, a beautiful Sunday. Uh, we just wanted to do something different than being in the studio where you're seeing me speak yeah. uh, in front of a camera. We wanted to create some visual stimulation to make something really beautiful and create a context for so, worship. Yeah. I'm excited. It'd be exciting. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned the clothes, and I do see you have our Battle Ready t-shirt. I do. And Jeremy. It looks good. Battle Ready. It's really beautiful. I love that. It looks good. But covering up is that still t-shirt. For sale? Is it still for sale? I don't know. Brian. Maybe. What an excellent question. It might be. I don't it's know still for sale. because I guess I have to go online and buy it because I still don't well, have one. Well, they now. sent me a sample and they didn't send me a sample that would fit you. This thing barely fits me. It's little. Ah, okay. That must be the, the size for no muscles. And <laughs> <laughs> Not already. I wasn't ready today. Okay. And you're wearing, and I'm just going to say this because I, I've seen how um, a lot of the things that I make at the McManus Gallery are very short units. They're very limited collections. So and and so I thought, oh, it'd be really cool to let the battle ready people know before anybody else knows. So what Aaron is wearing right now mm-hmm. and what I'm wearing right now, and then even the pants are gonna go online in um a don't few, make any commitments. I have no a idea. few days or no, during no, March sometimes. It won't be a few days. I'll be in Joshua Tree going buck oh, wild. That's right. Okay. <laughs> 
No. Before be March is over. They'll, they'll yeah, be there. Will be, there will be. We're going to do some things this month. I'm excited. Okay, Brooke, I have a question. You have a question. Yeah, well, you have a question. <laughs> I do. Have so a question. someone has a question. Okay. <laughs> do you have a question? Yes. I've been wanting to ask you guys this for a long time. Oh, okay. Which is, how do you remain committed to something that is out of your control? What an interesting question. Bro. Oh, well, thank you, Aaron. And someone on the, the Battle Ready Live you did before we filmed this yes. had a similar question. What was their question? You know I never say it right. Okay. Hey, the question was, um, <laughs> how do you lead when you're not in charge? Yes. So which one do you want to tackle first? Well, I think it's uh, those are two interesting questions related, but let's start with Brooks. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and Brooks' question, and could you repeat it, Aaron? No. <laughs> <laughs> I already got one of them. Um, um, what was yours? How, how do you stay committed to something that you have no control over? Uh, well, first of all, let's break that down. Okay. It's interesting that you would think that – um, you could only be committed to something if you have control over it. <laughs> That's how controlling you are. To me. I knew it was going to come back to me. <laughs> Brooke, I, this may be surprising to you, but <laughs> most people are committed to things that they do not have control over. <laughs> that almost all of life requires you to be committed to things you do not have control over. <laughs> and uh, But you are of the generation with the remote control, and so you think that everything is supposed to be in your hands, under your control. <laughs> and, uh, and so my question is, are you committed to anything if you're only committed to things under your control? See, if you're only committed to things under your control, the only thing you're committed to is yourself. Does that make sense? So it, except that it, you only feel the tension when you're not in control. It's, uh, I don't know about you, but when I'm driving, I do not get car sick. But when I'm not driving, I get car sick all the time. When I'm driving, Aaron, you complain about my driving pretty much the whole time. Yeah. When you're driving, you're a horrible driver. <laughs> and, uh, I, this is no, my record would show that I haven't been in an accident since I was 17. So, but when you are in an accident, it's significant. When was the last time you got in a car accident? I have I ever been in a car yeah, accident? Yeah, you got clobbered in the Lexus. Remember. <laughs> That guy was speeding through a stop sign. That was that my fault. <laughs> I would have dodged it. <laughs> Your accident, there was no one else involved. Yes, there was. Someone hit me. Are you talking about this right now? You were swerving. I wasn't swerving. My the the I hit a bump on the 210 freeway and I had a like 400 pounds worth of gear in the back <laughs> and my car like like turned, swerved and the kid hit me next to me. Are you really taking that other kid's side? <laughs> no, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> you better. I'm glad they hit you in that little pickup truck. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. But, but my whole point is that when you're in control, you do not feel the dramatic tension of the turns of the movement because right. you're the one in control of the change. And so when you're saying, how do you stay committed to something you're not in control of? You have to realize that that is the only place where commitment actually really plays out in that way. And um, if you're 100% in control, of course you're going to be committed to it because it's just you. So I would yeah. challenge you. Think about a situation where you're in control and you're 100% committed. Oh, you're a writer. So when you write, 
You're 100% in control of your writing, right? Until? Until you hand it to a publisher and an editor looks at it. And then you've been losing some control mm-hmm. because they might give you input and say, hey, you know, it's, it's languid or it's, it, the pacing is off or it, you're not giving enough detail or the structure is off. Or, and then you start feeling this anxiety of who do you think you are? <laughs> And and you don't know my story. You don't know how to write this, right? And, and, And so what I find a lot of times people who need to be in control rarely take the risk of taking their work outside of themselves. Are you looking at me now? And because you lose control once it goes into the real world. Hmm. And so I have a book coming out and... It's in it's September. A, in September, for, September fourteenth. This is exciting. And uh, I didn't give the name. No, but we will release it soon. Yeah. I want to release it with like big bang. With sure, we'll wait. Just at least because you have the cover. You just locked down the cover. Yeah, just locked it down. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. I like. We'll it. release it when we actually have a conversation about it. Okay, right, okay. We'll do a whole thing. But on. my whole point is that I have a I have a new editor. He has a lot of input. He has a lot of opinions. A you lot say of perspectives. That very sorrow, sorrow, like with, it's no, he's, with sorrow. he's actually a really brilliant guy. You know, but he doesn't see the world the way I see it. He doesn't see... It's good, though. He doesn't see the text the way I see it, Uh-oh. clearly, you, you know. And there are several places that said, hey, I think... Which it's- text, the Bible or your text? Like your book? My book. You said like that's, that's the okay. only text that matters as a writer. Right. <laughs> Change, you can disagree with me on the Bible. Don't disagree with me on a paragraph. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and uh, I feel it. Like, I tr- every time he gives input, like, you know... Even when he says, hey, can I think if we move this here and move this here, it'll flow better. Well, I wrote it in a certain way because I thought the flow was right. It worked best for me. So the, so any change is a bit of an irritant, right? And But to get to the end game, I have to be committed to something I don't have complete control over. A lot of people self-publish because they cannot collaborate. And... And the, the inability to be refined is a limiting characteristic in a person's character. And so what I'd say is like I, all my success is because I'm committed to things I don't have complete control over. All of it. Every, every single aspect. And you're actually of, really good life. at giving up control. Yes. Uh, like, yeah. Because we could give the argument of like, yeah, yeah we won't do that. But you do. You give a lot of control away. Mm-hmm. You know, you give people a lot of. I would say it the other way. You give a lot of freedom to other people, and then by that, you know, you're not controlling every element. So then you get, are getting a lot of feedback, or you're seeing a lot of. You 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 are very collaborative. But your books are something you hold very close to your chest, and you're not so collaborative <laughs> with. And I it's am, always been at what I am collaborative. It's not as easy. It's, it's not, not easy. as painless. It's not well, as painless. That's what I will say. <laughs> We're not going to go into your real thoughts and your editors, but you you often really do enjoy them as people yes. and don't enjoy them as editors. But I don't think you enjoy the editing role. No one, I don't think any writer enjoys the editing role. It is a very, it's a brutal, it's a cru, it's a crucial thing to a book. It's also a very brutal thing. It's a different talent. Like uh, an editor is not necessarily a good writer. Like sometimes when an editor gives me, well, how about a line like this? I always think, you can't write. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the worst line I've ever heard. And well, their so, job is to literally edit and to and to and to, to refine. They to have refine and to ask questions. Like the best editors yeah. ask questions. Yeah. Could you? Yes. 
you know, open this up for me more? Or why did you make this so short? Or why did you make this longer? Mm -hmm. Like, right, I think, at least when I see the yeah. edits on your books, yeah. you see, you tend to respond the best when they're asking questions and, and challenging in that way versus like, I didn't like this. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, the best editors to me are the ones that ask questions and force you to, to reflect on why you did what you did or why you're doing what you're doing and, and yeah. is there a better way of doing it? Yeah. And that, but my whole point of that is, the process of fin having a finished product is about being committed to things you cannot control. You know, and, and once you sign that contract, you basically signed a contract that says, I'm no longer in complete control of my own work, which is challenging. Mm. And, and so if you think about it, um, when you're working on a film as a director, you're not in complete control. Even though you're the director and you have final say, you're not in complete control. In fact, a lot of directors, they're not even in complete control because the final edit, the producers will destroy the film. And I've, I've heard a lot of directors talk about how we had a great film until... and yeah, uh, to the studio uh, got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I... Oh, can I just drop one name? No. I can't? I don't know which one you're going to drop. No, so I, I had I had a, a, a brief conversation with... Um, yes. Tom Hardy. And oh yeah, you don't see. say the movie though. No, I see. And uh, and he was talking about how this particular film he was in was so much better before yeah, it was yeah. edited. So they took out all the humor. It took out the humor and the romance. Yeah, yeah. And and he felt those were the two things that were most powerful in the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Would, and so and it wouldn't be the film people would think. No, that's no. the funny thing. Yeah, but I just wanted to say that because I actually had a conversation with Tom Hardy. I think he's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, but my whole point is like to me, he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah. So you would think he would have total control. Yeah. But he doesn't have total control. No. But he has to be fully committed to something he doesn't have control over. Does that make sense? So if you look at anyone in life who has achieved greatness, their genius is oftentimes the ability to be fully committed without having full control, and still having an outcome that reflects their talent, their genius, or their commitment. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, right? When you talk about movies, you're like, mm -hmm. these guys give, it's never just one, it's almost never one take. You know, mm -hmm. they're giving multiple takes of, of the same thing and letting someone else choose which one is going to portray the emotion or the comedy or the, mm -hmm. the you know, mm -hmm. the, the different dynamic of the scene. And so a huge part of it is like I can bring what I can bring and then I and then it's up to everyone else to decide whether that works for them. And so you have to know your role within I think it leads mm -hmm. us into the, the 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 original question of like how do you lead when you follow? Cuz it's it's ironic that a, that a, a movie lead is the lead actor in a role or lead <laughs> actress in a role or right? Yeah. Or, or a lead supporting But act. they're not really That's leading. For, yeah, no. They're following. They're following. Yeah. But they're but they're trusting and they're giving what they can to the movie. Because I do think it's interesting because I was just watching a, a show called Entourage, which is like I don't recommend it to anyone on this podcast. But it's, but it's interesting because they have they show you kind of the behind the scenes of like, you know, this like fictional actor and like what – as he gets older, he wants more say. He wants – he demands it. He You know, I, I get this where I walk. And it's like – it's interesting because when you – and I think we can all be like that when we're – on a team and we aren't clear, we we don't have a clear perception or um, posture or awareness as to like our function on the team. Mm -hmm. And I think you see it with a lot of people, you see it with pastors, you see it with, 
with musicians and bands who they leave the band because they think they're the most important one. You see it like what you see it in chefs. You see it in almost every walk of life, arena of life, where the where you you have this identity issue of like, am I more important than the thing I'm a part of? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and so I think a great reminder is this reality that like, don't like. Because I think young people get confused, and I get confused. We're called leaders, mm-hmm. but we're not leader, but we're not leading, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So why do why do people why why is it it feels like this like this guise of like, well you're a leader, so everyone's a leader, but you're not all leading. So why say everyone's a leader? But is it because we're incapable of understanding our function? <laughs> no, I mean I think some of it is generational ego. No, but no, but no, no, because because we talked about this. Like, we don't call it. We used to call everyone volunteer staff, but we yeah. don't call anyone staff, right? Because it's not because it's you know. No, but each generation's language is responding to something that happened before them. Okay, so why do you call everyone leaders? Well, I don't call everyone a leader. There was a season, though. Yes. yes. Yeah. So and, why 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 did we? Uh, well, back then we called everyone a leader to say everyone can have influence. Everybody can make a positive impact. Okay. And now we don't call them leaders because it seems generationally 20-year-olds already believe they are better leaders than people who actually are leading. And so to reinforce that is actually almost like adding fuel to narcissism. So you're actually dealing with different cultural dynamics at each point. And um, if, you have a, if you have a culture where people have low self-esteem and do not believe in themselves, you have to speak like leadership language into them saying, hey, you can lead, you have influence, you can do so much good right now. Yeah. If you have a culture where everyone thinks uh, because they grew up winning every participation you know, trophy because they right. were always told they were the best because they were always told that they were already yeah. awesome, um, you actually have to put in other characteristics like humility and gratitude and sacrifice and servanthood. So it just kind of depends on the on the environment that you're dealing with, mm-hmm. what conversations you need to have, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I was fighting against the concept of membership in the church, where people had the sense of entitlement. I'm a member, and so everybody votes on everything, whether they. Um, had a relationship with Jesus that was actually intimate or, or whether they were the worst human being on the planet. Mm-hmm. They were a member of the church that had like an equal vote. And I just thought this membership thing is, is horrible. Mm-hmm. So we talked about volunteer staff saying um, everyone who comes to Mosaic is actually here to serve the world. Mm-hmm. So we weren't saying we're on staff because we get a benefit. We were saying you, the only reason to join Mosaic is that you're coming to serve humanity. Mm-hmm. And that was the posture we were working from. Of course, now you have this like dramatic sort of like cancel culture and and me too culture and 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 so if someone was volunteer staff and they were just someone you didn't even know right. because they were p- part of thousands of people then who may have joined a former staff member makes a statement on and and then you <laughs> go wait a minute wait a minute they 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 were not like a staff person like you're thinking yeah, they were yeah. a, they were a, a person who came to mosaic and became a volunteer staff member but it, that was only an honorary kind of declaration. It wasn't that they had any spiritual development. It wasn't that they had, right. you know, ever right. been vetted. So we have to change that language now that we're in a different culture right. because we're going, okay. So now it's almost like, I don't want membership. I don't want volunteer staff. You're just, you're just attending, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm taking no moral social responsibility for everyone who's walking into right, the right. building at some point. But it came from a great, pl- a good yes. place of going like, hey, you are, you have leadership and you have creativity and you have 
these attributes that God has placed inside of you. Yeah. But I do think, yeah, you're right. Like there, there is this, there is this, um, this, this interesting cultural thing with young people. They're like, how they call me a leader, but I'm just on a team and, and I can't control anything and I can't change anything. And I'm like, no, you're not a leader. You're a follower, mm-hmm. but you should be proud to be a follower. Like, can you be, can you find value? I do think we have a generation that has lost value in the like simple things. Mm-hmm. The wax on, wax off moments. Yeah. Right? With like the next karate, like people don't even yeah, know. Everybody that, needs right? to go back and watch the original the karate original, kid. Not that, not that Cobra Kai garbage in the <laughs> Wait valley. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Nah, I'm not going to let the you. Worst. That's I'm not going to let you bring this. <laughs> what? No, what? Bring that hate. We like the people who made that. Do we? Nah, bro. Yeah, that's do. what makes me sad about the valley. That's what, it's like, in, it's Encino, but it's, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth of Encino. But no, I, I, I'm going to just admit it. I watched, I, like I, I watched Cobra Kai and I thought this is so cheesy. So cheesy. And 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 I, then I watched the second episode and thought, oh, this is so horrifically cheesy. Then I watched the third episode and I thought, oh, you know what? King David delivered cheese when he killed Goliath, so it's not that bad. Well, then, like, <laughs> Next thing I know, I've watched every episode. But here, here's the thing. I don't mind cheese. Like, I'm, I messed with Bridgerton. I watched Bridgerton. But yes, there were a lot of sex scenes in one episode. There was a lot of, like, his butt. But and I don't need that, so I fast forwarded. But I also thought it was funny. I was like, I was like, oh, Christians will love this because it's all about like having sex after you're married. The whole show is about that. So you know what I mean. But then, <laughs> did you like you think about it? It's like this is great. Um, but the but like I I mess with cheese, but I don't like the valley, and I don't like it doesn't mean I don't like people in the valley. I like Sherman Oaks. I like Studio City. But the moment you love Calabasas, I love Calabasas, Um, and and I have great friends in Encino. So shout out to Encino, or like even Joe Smith, North Toluca Lake, (laughs) North Toluca Lake. (laughs) What is North Toluca Lake? (laughs) It's called Burbank. That's called Burbank at that point. (laughs) But all right, no, no. no, 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 What what I don't know. The only reason I don't like the show is I don't. I I get anxious sometimes watching like like because they portray like his sad life in the beginning. Right, like the main guys, like well, how they his both, life became They both sad. have sad lives. That's the thing, is that to me, even even. So I don't like it is because I I may feel anxious. And I'm like, that's my that's my that's my nightmare. I don't want to be alone in the valley in an apartment. You you, you can't watch Cobra Kai because you're terrified. That's your future. Yes, <laughs> yes, and I, but no, but like there's also why, like my my bone to pick with the industry because I like now have watched a lot of kids who got here younger than me because I grew up here and around yeah. here. And I had no interest in being in like the acting industry. I wanted right. to be in film at one point, like mm-hmm. writing and directing. But, but like I had no interest in ever being an actor. I've watched now a generation of people who are now becoming that guy who still lives in the valley. And when you're six, when you're fourteen, and you're with your parents, and you're like hustling, it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're thirty-five, and you're still here, and you booked, you know, I don't know, one show of like. It's like the Johnny drama from Entourage thing. It's like he like he booked you know you know uh, like what is it nine hundred two hundred back in the day, and he's like was one episode, and and it's like it's a sad thing for me, and it's hard for me to watch because I'm like man, but then yeah, I don't know. But but we we got the Cobra Kai how? Why? I don't know how we got there. Oh, oh because we're talking about Karate Kid, wax on, wax off, you wax went, on, wax off. Like this is like this is such finding, a detour from no, what's it's, important it's in this finding, conversation. And that's a bit of the problem of <laughs> the show, but the great part of the show. No, but I I do think that our generation is missing out on this like the practical, simple uh, value and finding purpose and value in doing the simple things, mm-hmm. being yeah. a part of a team. Yeah. 
know what I mean? There was such like respect and honor for being mm-hmm. the, the guy who made shoes or like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like creating the, like being a part of society in that way. And I think, I don't know. So I don't, I don't want to lose that in our society and in our generation. Yeah. And so let's restate the question. How do you, how do you um, be a leader when you can't change anything? No, no, no. Yes. How do you lead when you're not in charge? How do you lead when you're not in charge? That's what it was. Um, That's not what I said. My bad. I guess, yes. So you have to break that down. How do you lead when you're not in charge? How do you lead when you're not in charge? So I guess I have to ask you a fundamental question. What in the world makes you think you should be leading when you're not in charge? Right? I, I mean, that's the question that begs to be asked. <laughs> and because it, 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 it reveals a certain psychological posture where you think that you're already better than the people leading you. Right, but I was, the reason I was asking you the questions at the beginning is I think, I think for a while people were, everyone was told you're a leader, mm-hmm. right? But they weren't explained like how to function inside you're of that. You're a leader, but you're not the leader. <laughs> right, they switched it, like French. Like, I don't mean anything anymore. Okay. And, and the reason is because people only think about leading up rather than leading sideways and leading down. Right, because so, you can lead with your posture, you can lead with your attitude, you can lead with your diligence. Right, but how do you lead when you're not the leader? You don't try to lead where you're not given leadership. You lead where you are given leadership. And so, um, like Kevin, you know, and he has all kinds of friends that don't go to Mosaic. In fact, he may have more friends that don't go to Mosaic than almost anybody I know. Mm-hmm. And he's constantly influencing their life toward good. Yeah. like. And so when, when Kevin is helping me and he's like, you know, helping me move furniture or helping me like, you know, move boxes or something like that, he may not look like a leader, but Kevin's always leading. Yeah. And, and he's never asked the question, how do I become a leader? Because he's already leading with people that he loves. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what happens is that when we ask that question, we want to lead in an area that we've not been entrusted. And the reason we haven't been entrusted is we're not leading in the areas that we have been entrusted. Mm-hmm. So I'd say is lead where you're entrusted and watch how that trust grows and you'll get to lead in other areas where you have not yet been trusted in. Hmm. And you know, you know, there's there's so many places in the world that I'll go and I don't have any influence there. And I could say, well, you know, how can I lead when I'm not the leader, right? And yet the reality is that if you build friendships, if you earn trust, if you um, serve others, your arena of influence grows and grows and grows, and you end up leading in places that you haven't even been given the title and you don't have a position because of the relationships you have with people. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Which I, I like think that. is pretty pretty wonderful. I do too. You know? yeah. I think we could wrap up on that, yeah. Any follow-up question, Brooke? Yeah. So let's um, – if, per- if you don't agree with the decision – Nah, then now we're getting to the real issues. To what decision? Any decision. Know, any decision that your leader makes, how do you follow well? Please don't make it about me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because that because is I think that's a big statement and there's a lot of situations that could be in that, right? Right, because if you don't agree with the decision, if the decision if it's not about something moral. Right. If it's like a tactical it's or a functional tactical decision, you, you know, um then you need to decide whether you trust the leader, not the decision. Look, early on... Well, I, I think we have a generation that just goes, we don't trust anything. I know. Or anyone except for ourselves. And what's and crazy, like, friends. when I started conceptualizing Mosaic in my imagination, 
there was no church like Mosaic. Right. And um, when I would talk about how we could create this, um, no one on my team could see it. And I had to basically say, do you trust me? And and I, I was able to build enough trust where people would say, I can't see how your idea is going to work, but I trust you. And even in my marriage, like I would say 99% of the decisions I've made, Kim would have a emotional, visceral reaction against it. Mm-hmm. And because Kim would be more of a, a restorative uh, person and not necessarily a futuristic person. Mm-hmm. But Kim trusts me, so she moves forward with me. And, uh, and, a, and a huge part of the problem is that we think every person's idea, every person's decision needs to match what we think that decision should be. And, and, you know, and so then you end up in an organization where really no one is following. You have complete anarchy. Uh, and, you, you know, and so if you're working for Apple and they decide to come out with the iPad and you can't see the iPad, you just don't think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Do you quit because you're working at the Genius Bar at an Apple store? Yeah. No, because yeah. you understand it's not your role to decide what the next piece of technology is. Yeah. The yeah. problem is that in the church, right. everyone thinks that their opinion is as of equal value and merit mm-hmm. as the people who are leading. Yeah. And the reality is that it's not. Yeah. When I go to the doctor's office, I have opinions, but the doctor has expertise. Yeah. When, I, when I'm talking to an architect, I have opinions, but the architect has expertise. Mm. And yet when you go to church, you go, oh, I have opinions, but that pastor doesn't have expertise. He just has an opinion too. And so part of the challenge is that we don't see pastors as actually professionals. And if they're professionals, then we see them as sellouts. And the reality is that pastors need to be great leaders. And then you have to trust their leadership capacity. When I first took uh, responsibility for a a church 30 years ago, they were a million dollars in debt, had $100,000 of deficit and had uh, around a thousand bucks in the bank Mm -hmm. because of incompetent leadership. Mm -hmm. And I'm really good with money. Mm -hmm. I turned that organization around within a year Mm -hmm. and made sure it was out of debt, out of deficit and had money in the bank. And, and a huge part of it was um, just because a person is good at speaking or understanding the Bible doesn't mean they're good at finances. It doesn't mean they're, they're good at, uh, at like business development. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the mistakes we make sometimes is that we think because we're good at one thing, we're supposed to be good at everything. We don't build good teams. Mm-hmm. And, and it, so I would say on the flip side, as a leader, you need to recognize what your strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. And But as a follower, you need to recognize that the person who's leading is making decisions from a level of insight that you may not have. And I'm going to use one political example for this, and that's and dun, when, dun, 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 when dun, dun. President uh, Obama, before he became president, uh, on his platform said, I'm going to close Guantanamo. After he became president, eight years later, Guantanamo was still open. Now, a lot of, see, if you don't like President Obama, you can use that as saying, you see, he didn't keep his commitments. What <laughs> I I'm, like Obama. I'm just laughing. At no, I, what I, I use this as an example because I think it's a legitimate understanding yeah. of the role of leadership that when you're a politician running for an office, your level of information is different 
than when you're the president holding yeah. that office. Yeah. And we have to understand that many times when a candidate's running for an office, right. they don't have the information that the other the person who holds that office is having to deal with. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so easy to be judgmental of presidents and to admire candidates. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way in leadership. And when you're a follower, I don't assume I know everything that the person in charge knows. I, I know everything I know, but I may not know everything they know. Mm -hmm. And so I try to give people uh, a, a huge sphere of respect and in honor and saying, look, that person is a person of integrity. I've always trusted them. This decision doesn't make sense to me, but it doesn't invalidate their life of trustworthiness. I'm going to trust them as a decision as long as it is, it's not a moral decision or a moral mistake or something like that. And But it's like, you know, how many times I had to relocate Mosaic? How many times I have to give up on a building and move to another place? How many yeah. times we'd have to go from one service to five services and five services to three services? How many times we make decisions like we're going to tear out a stage or we're going to gut a building or we're going to – like those decisions are all subjective opinions of what might be the best thing to do. And other people can disagree, but they don't – they're not moral. They're just strategic. And – and what if I make a decision and it's the wrong strategic decision? Does that make me a bad person? No. It just makes me a human being who is a leader who had to make a call and it wasn't the right call. So I have a question because when we started Venice yeah. and it was still in Santa Monica, and that's a whole other story, but Venice and Santa Monica are next to each other. Yeah. And so they, we, venues would pop you went on back different and forth, sides back and different forth, parts yeah. of the border. But we were at kind of two main venues mm -hmm. and we ended up being in this this spot in Santa Monica for a while but then there was this young couple super dynamic super great I, you, were you in Venice with me ever? no it was your husband it was me and your husband dealing with this so you kind of were to some degree <laughs> yeah um, and and this couple super like they were they'd come from churches they they, they knew the language yeah. they knew the speak they yeah. which we don't use so like it's easy to pop because you're mm -hmm. like oh you're not from here you, you're saying using yeah. certain verbiage a lot, and um, but uh, I could tell quickly that they were pretty. I, don't know, I wouldn't say toxic, but I could tell pretty quickly that they were grabbing people to start their own thing. Mm -hmm. And I think in the moment I was really nervous. I was like, "Oh no!" And I remember I had to sit down <laughs> with them right before I left for London, and I was like, "Okay, we're gonna do this right now because I got on a plane in an hour." You're doing stuff, and I want you to stop it. And if you want to do it, go, and that's fine, and we're happy for you. Now looking back, I'm like, oh, I needed them because they took all the low-hanging fruit I couldn't get rid of. And low-hanging fruit meaning people who, who came to Mosaic or wanted to come to the campus because they wanted to be a part of something, but they didn't really connect and they didn't necessarily want to be there that much. So they went with them. And it wasn't a split by any means. It was like five people. But I was like, <laughs> it was perfect because it kind of reveals the people that were around you. And I don't think they necessarily disagreed with the leadership. They just thought they were better leaders than me and could go do it. And they probably w were better communicators, but they weren't better leaders than you. <laughs> and, and, that, and it was like, and I was like, this is where I was pretty secure because I was like, I may be the figurehead in this place, like mm -hmm. the manager here, mm -hmm. you know? But I wasn't the like the spiritual leader. It was obviously and so clearly you and we were connecting to you. We were patching mm -hmm. into the to the the head guy and to the mm -hmm. team. And so when they were like, you know, we're gonna leave, I was like, go for it, because you can maybe be more dynamic than me. Most people are. You're not gonna be more <laughs> dynamic than the main guy. And everyone who left was either back within 
a few days or they didn't co- come back and they didn't stay with them. They just moved on because they weren't actually connected to a store. So that was, yeah. that was healthy. I mean, there's so much to learn there because you, you do have people who come through, especially like churches. And, especially in LA, like yeah. cities. Yeah. And, and a lot of times they'll come acting like they're coming to make a contribution. They're actually trying to pull together their own group of people to do something on their own. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny because my sense is that toxic people only can um, inspire toxic people. Yeah. And so I'm like, it, it's sort of like doing this dialysis thing where, you know, it may upset you that they're taking people, but in the end, you'll be thankful for who they took. Yeah. And because they're actually taking toxic people with them. And yeah. And, and so I have never, e- even when, well, years ago, when another church came to the city and they did massive well, advertising to take like people from churches. Well, we could talk about that. Yeah. Actually, because someone did ask me, I don't <laughs> remember who, who it was, asked me who, um, like, how is our relationship with the other churches in yeah. L.A.? And I was like, for me, I don't hold grudges. Yeah. So I was like, great. Yeah. And I listed, like, oh, I love this guy, I love yeah. this guy. And, like, you know, I'm not connecting to the high – like, I sure. know them, but, you know, you know them. Mm-hmm. I'm friends with one of the kid that <laughs> brings them coffee or something or, like, is on their team <laughs> or, like, babysits or whatever. Um, but uh, but I remember I was like, oh, I was like, when church started coming to L.A., we were kind of the big – church who had been here for a while in mm-hmm. the city. So people were coming to our church and then recruiting people from our church and being like, you should go to this church, come with me to this church. Yeah. And and it and it was very interesting because I was like, oh the 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 crew the like the and it wasn't the leaders. It was like mm-hmm. their sub people, sure. you know? And I was like, it kind of did mess with the the topography and the relationships of churches in LA. At least from us. Mm-hmm. What, is that but make, see when, that when I had sense or no? a lot of our pastors came to me upset saying this person this church is taking hundreds of people and this church is taking hundreds of people and I said are they taking your leaders and some of them said yes I said all right then you should go thank them because you were investing in the wrong people yeah because if you, these are your leaders and they left with this new church you would have invested another three years in them and then they would have left Mm-hmm. And so you should be thankful that they actually extricated those people because you got to get yeah. better at selecting leaders. Yeah. And so I've never been really a person that's upset when other churches, quote, like steal your people because they're not our people, you know, oh. and you can't steal our people. Our people are committed to each other. You can't steal me. And, and, and I said from the very top years ago, a, a massive church came and asked me if I would leave to go you know, lead their, their space. And, and I said, yeah, I don't have, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. They go, no, no, take some time to pray about it. I said, I don't have to pray about it. Cause I already know. Cause See, I like, don't want to do yeah, it. Cause like, I don't need to pray about something I already know the answer to. And, 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 and uh, apart from me, it's like, you see, you can't steal me because mosaic isn't my job. No, it's just my community. It's my, it's my, I'm, I'm, I'm the people. And, and so I never worry about it. And, and this is, I think a part of the whole point of this is, that following takes as much character and as much um, commitment as leading. Mm-hmm. That a great follower is a person to be admired, yeah. just like a great leader is a person to be admired. Because yeah. uh, I always considered myself a great follower. When I was on someone's team, I did everything to make that person successful. Mm-hmm. And I still see myself as a follower and uh, and as a leader. Uh, There are times I'm following you. There are times I'm following Mariah. There are times I'm following Tass. There are Mm -hmm. times, you know, like uh, I don't pretend I know something. 
Mm-hmm. Like when someone's better at me at something, I just line right up and said, hey, can you help me figure out how to do this? And, or can you lead this? And, you know, when you guys are putting together like merch for Mosaic, a lot of times I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know what's, what's coming out till I see it. <laughs> like, you know, I go, oh, that's so cool. Look at Mosaic Studios. Oh, I remember mentioning that possibility. I didn't know that we're going to do that at Mosaic. And, yeah. and I never got, and I don't even get upset because I'm like, yeah. they're, they're an expression of the genius and creativity and beauty and wonder that I've committed my whole life to. And and I just love the fact that we have a church that people are leading so freely in so many different directions. That doesn't diminish me. It actually um, elevates me. Yeah. And I think, like all things, you're going to disagree. If you agree with everything, you're not, you're not really... Like I don't – when if you agree with everything, mm-hmm. you're looking for something that serves you, not something you're actually going to serve yeah. and bring something to. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't even agree with everything I do. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I, But I also think there's like there's – I think there's a commitment to the process of mm-hmm. it all. And if you're committed to the process, then you're going to have – you're going to look at things through a different lens, mm-hmm. right? Going like, okay, I'm going to be this person's friend for 15 yeah. years. So like they're going to have some years where they're not the greatest and they're, we're going to be – we're gonna be there with them. We have a culture that, that that finds the bad days and then and then destroys people on them. So it, it is countercultural to like the generation that yeah. is now of like of media and society of like you know you did this on your worst day. We're gonna make sure you never have a good day ever again. Yeah. And I just think the reality of like long term commitment and building something and being a part and being an actual leader mm-hmm. is is being a part of something with longevity. Yeah. And going like, I've been here through all the seasons, the good, the bad, where I was good, where I was bad, and we're going to make a better place together. I love that. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Okay. One day you're going to be a leader, Mm -hmm. and the kind of followers you're going to get is the kind of follower you were. Thank you for listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. I am going to go ponder on that. Um, thank you for ra- uh, reviewing the episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for checking it out. We are so grateful. You can um, uh, watch this on YouTube, listen to this on iTunes and Spotify and a bunch of other places. I'm really grateful for what you just said. That was really good. Mm. Yeah, so let's raise up great followers so that we can actually have a generation of great leaders. Love it. All right, see you next time. All right. I'm Bad Ready. Thanks.